But why do Jewish men cover their hair? So the Torah itself does not mention anywhere in the Torah itself a commandment that Jewish men should cover their head. Nor, as far as we know, it was a part of any oral tradition, nor was, it, was there an oral tradition. We know there are many things not mentioned in the Torah itself, but we have an oral tradition that, that was taught to Moses that this is what you should do, part of our oral Torah. It is not part of the oral Torah either. The first reference we have of a Jew covering their head is found in a book called, Masech, called Kala Rabati, which is actually a Gaonic era book. Um, and uh, over there it speaks of Rabbi Akiva, who lived in the first century. He lived um, through the destruction of the first temple um, around the year 70. He was a young man, and then he lived a very, very long life and died, uh, was killed um, in the Shemad period, which was about the one, late 130s, 140s. So um, he was then a very, very old man. Um, so he lived during that late first century, early second century. And the, um, the, over there it tells us that one time he saw a child who was walking without a head covering, without his head covered. And he criticized the boy for um, as being a um, impudent child um, and uh, for not walking without his head covered. Later, the Torah, the Talmud tells us that Rav Nachman, who lived about 150 years after Rabbi Akiva, uh, late 200s, um, his mother was told before he, when he was a child, when he was an infant, that he would grow up to be a thief. He was told by astrologers, yes, a thief. And a crook. And so she made sure that his head was always covered. And rather than growing up to be a thief, he grew up to be a great sage. Um, the Talmud also tells about Rav Huna, the son of Rabbi Yoshua, says that he will be rewarded because he was careful to never walk four cubits. A cubit is about a foot and a half, so four cubits is about six feet, without a, his head covered. So... Where, so there are a number of references in the Talmud and Talmudic era scripture to the fact that people had their head covered, although it doesn't say anywhere explicitly in the Talmud or in Talmudic era literature that one is required to have their head covered. So some medieval scholars believe that this was actually a rabbinic law. When we say rabbinic law, I've mentioned this before, but it's important to keep to note again. When we say rabbinic law, that means a law enacted by the Sanhedrin, by the Supreme Council of Judaism. For the first 1500 years or so of Judaism, um, there was a um, Supreme Council, um, the Sanhedrin, led by 71 elders, um, who were the final arbitrators of all of Jewish law. They could both resolve halachic questions, legal questions, and they also had the right to create laws, to legislate laws for all of Israel. Since they were disbanded, um, about the early 300s, since the Sanhedrin, and we, in a, we went to a class on the Sanhedrin where we spoke about why they were disbanded. Um, but since the Sanhedrin was disbanded, we, um, we have not had any um, higher body that had the final authority for Judaism or that had the right to legislate and create laws that are binding for all Jews. But there is one view in among, Risha, among Rishonim, among medieval scholars, 
that this is a rabbinic law that Jewish men must cover their head that was enacted by the men by the men of the Sanhedrin, by the leaders of the Sanhedrin, and it is a rabbinic law, like many, many, many other rabbinic laws that we have, including the holidays of Hanukkah and Purim, were enacted by the Sanhedrin um, as notable holidays. There are many other rules that we have um, hundreds of thousands of other rules that we know that were enacted by the Sanhedrin over the generations. Washing our hands before before we eat bread is a classic example. Reciting the Halalim prayers, reciting all the prayers for that matter, um, are all rabbinic enactments. Reciting blessings, um, are all these are all rabbinic enactments made by the Sanhedrin. So in this view, the rule to wear one that one must cover their head it was a rule enacted by the Sanhedrin, and it is therefore a requirement for all Jewish men to cover their head. Most medieval scholars, and that's also the view of Rav Yosef Karo, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, um, who, um, the um, main code of, primary code of Jewish law. Most, however, felt that this was just a custom. In other words, it was never a rule enacted. It was never a requirement ever enacted by the Sanhedrin. And it seems to imply so in the Talmud when it says that um, you know, various people were um, praised for having covered their, he their heads. Um, Rav Nachman's mother covered his head as a child, but not that doesn't seem that there was any absolute requirement. It was rather a custom. It was an ideal, what we call midat chasidut, a measure of piety. Um, in other words, a pious person would do it. Um, but it was not an absolute requirement ever enacted as a rule for all of Israel that all Jewish men must cover their heads. Why was, whether it was enacted or whether it became a custom that developed and was widely practiced by the Talmudic period, which would be the Talmudic period going from about the destruction of the temple in the year 70 till about the year 500, first 500 years of our, our current counting. Um, so, so the reason for it is in order that we should always remember that we are in God's presence. The head covering serves as a constant reminder to always remember that we are in God's presence. It also gives us a sense of humility, remembering there's always something in control of us. There is always something on top of us, above us, Meaning not literally God, of course, is everywhere, not literally above us, but God is in control of us. God controls us. Rabbi Yechiel Michal Epstein, the author of the Arucha Shulchan, explains that our mind is in our head. And by, putting, by putting, having a head covering reminds us that our intelligence is limited. Limited in comparison to God. As smart as we think we are, God is smarter than us. And so our intelligence is limited. We shouldn't think we know and we understand everything. In fact, the common Yiddish word for a head covering, for the common head covering worn by European Jews, was yarmulke. Oh, yarmulke. A yarmulke, which actually has an R in there, yarmulke, um, is from the Hebrew words yare malka. It's a just kind of yare malka put together. Um, and it means fearing the king. God-fearing. It reminds you that God is, you're always standing in God's presence, and you therefore must act accordingly. There are other terms. Kippah is often used in modern Hebrew. Um, it was used um, 
It means in Hebrew, a dome is a kippah, is a dome, like a dome of a building would be a kippah. Um, so it's often dome-shaped. There was another Yiddish word that was common, which was kapel. Um, kapel. Um, kapel is a diminutive from, from the word kop. Kop means head, um, right, in Yiddish. So kapel means the thing that goes on your head. Um, that's where that would come from. Yes, Marla, you had a question. Um, yeah, those are important Jewish values. Um, are they not also important for women? That's an excellent question. I knew somebody would ask that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Why don't women wear cover their heads? Or do they? I'm going to answer that. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to answer No, I, No, I'm going to answer it. I'm going to answer it. Yes. We'll get to it. I'm going to get to it. Let, let, let's, let's wait till we get there. So, according to most views, as we said, there was never a clear legislated law by the Sanhedrin that a Jew or Jewish man is required to cover their head. Nevertheless, it is clear that for at least the last thousand years, and probably close to two thousand years, Jewish men have universally covered their head. And as a result, it is no longer a custom and an ideal. It has been moved from being what we call midat chasidut, a pious measure, to becoming a requirement. And that is because Rabbeinu David, in his famous book, the Taz to Rezav, commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, explains that the Torah forbids Jews from dressing like non-Jews. We are not allowed to dress like non-Jews. Now, the Torah does not require us to dress different from non-Jews. It just, re re it just um, forbids us from wearing non-Jewish dress. In other words... If there is no distinctive Jewish dress, we don't need to find a distinctive Jewish dress, and there's no particular dress we need to have. But in event that there is a distinctive Jewish dress, we are required, or we are forbidden from dressing the way the non-Jews dress. So if Jews dress in a distinctive way, we're not allowed to dress in a way that is similar to non-Jews. The Talmud brings an example in Roman times. Jews wore black laces, Romans wore red laces. Jews were not allowed to wear red laces because that was a uniquely non-Jewish form of dress. Um, today, therefore, since all observant Jewish men cover their heads and have done so for thousands, at least a thousand years, but almost certainly much, much, much longer, even though we don't have hard evidence that everyone did it, but for a thousand years, we're certain everyone has done it. Um, it therefore has become a unique Jewish dress part of a unique Jewish dress code. And therefore, for a Jewish man to go with their head uncovered, it would be, bra it would be dressing like a non-Jew. And that would be a breaking the biblical prohibition of not dressing like a non-Jew when Jews dress in a distinct way. And therefore, once the head covering became uniform as a distinct Jewish dress, form of dress for Jewish men, Jewish men are now required to cover their head, otherwise they are dressing like a non-Jew. The Marshal, Rabbi Shlom ben Luria, takes it a step further, and he says 
that once covering one's head has become a Jewish norm, not covering one's head is not only a problem of dressing like a non-Jew, but you are breaking Jewish norms. And that is something that our sages forbade called over al-dat yehudit. It is forbidden to break Jewish standards. Even if there's no particular rule that was ever commanded or legislated, there's no such rule in Jewish law was ever made. Nevertheless, once something becomes a Jewish standard, it is forbidden to break Jewish standards. And so therefore, for a Jewish man not to cover their head would be breaking Jewish standards. The Alter Rebbe goes even further, and he says that Jewish law requires a person to always dress modestly. How do you define modest dress? dress, anything that is normally covered, in other words, our culture, our society expects that part of your body to be covered, it must always be covered, uncovering it would be immodest. There are also other definitions, and one thing we could do a class on, I think we did a class not too long ago on modest dress, um, but one must always dress modestly. Once it has become universal for Jewish men to cover their heads, leaving for a Jewish man to leave their head uncovered would be considered going naked. And therefore, it would be forbidden for Jewish men to have their head uncovered. They would effectively be naked. It is therefore clear that even though most medieval scholars were of the view that covering one's head was never a law that was legislated, but only midat chasidot, a pious act that was kind of gradually kept by most Jewish, by all Jewish men. Today, once it became a universal act, it is now both because of, um, we are forbidden from dressing like non-Jews, it's become a Jewish standard, and because um, not covering your head would be today considered naked, it is considered an absolute requirement today for Jewish men to cover their head. Yes? Is it also respectful also? The, the reason it originally began was a sign of respect. Okay, but I want to ask you a question. So, okay. If someone comes to the synagogue and nobody's here, but they've all got yarmulkes on, okay, I've been, and I'm not going to say who it is, in, in what's the name, and we've had a class, and the person has no respect because the person has a sad. So I will get to that. Very good question. Okay what about, about in a synagogue? Are you okay about that? A very good question. Okay. I'm going to get to that. I'm not okay. So the, even those who believe that it was never an absolute requirement or never legislated by the Sanhedrin that one must cover one's head, they do agree um, that then there's no doubt that the Sanhedrin did at a certain point require everyone to cover their head when praying. When even, even if it's a short prayer, like just saying a blessing before you eat or reading Torah or doing any holy thing, one must cover their head as a sign of respect to God. Similarly, if someone walks into a holy place, such as a synagogue, one must cover their head, or a house of prayer, one must cover their head. Now, generally, as we mentioned, in all Jewish communities for at least a thousand years, Jewish men have covered their heads always, consistently. There were exceptions, places where it was not universally practiced, one of those exceptions was in 19th century Germany. For whatever reason, in 19th century Germany um, and other parts of Western Europe, many observant Jews did not cover their head. They relied on the view that it is not an absolute requirement. And since men in their community were not doing it, it was not 
a distinct Jewish dress for them. So it was not a requirement, relying on the views that say that it is only midat chasidut, it is only an ideal, but it is not a requirement. But nevertheless, even, for, even in those German communities where Jews did not cover their head, um, they would all wear a head covering when entering a synagogue, as well as when praying, as well as when reciting a blessing before eating. In fact, the descriptions of German Jewish life in the 19th and early 20th century will describe that Jewish, old Jewish German, Ger German Jewish men carried a kippah um, in their pocket. And whenever they would take a drink of water or, take a, or eat something, they had to make a blessing first. They would take their kippah out, put it on their head, and then they would make the blessing uh, and then take it off. Um, and uh, that was fairly common, or if they would study Torah, of course, for prayer, and they always carried one conveniently with them so that they had it. Um, the German Jewish community in the 19th century was unique in that all Jewish men did not wear a yarmulke uh, or cover their head. Um, almost all Jewish communities, both Ashkenazic and Sephardic, um, even even um, remote communities like Bukhari Jews or Yemenite Jews or Georgian Jews that were in kind of more remote places, all um, covered their heads. It was pretty universal. Um, they were very, the German Jewish community was unique in, it not, in not covering Jew, Jewish men, not covering their heads. And even then, all, since all opinions agree that to enter a synagogue, to recite a prayer or a blessing or study Torah, one must cover their heads. They did always have a head covering in their pocket so that they had it when needed, since as Jews, we're regularly reciting blessings, regularly praying, um, and so we're going into the synagogue three times a day, and so Jewish men definitely had regular access to it. Yes, Debbie. So I think that the reason that men wear the kippahs uh, all the time is to remind men I'm going to get this. to women in a second. No, women don't need this. But it's to remind them daily to live by the Torah. To remind them of God's presence, that God is always with them. Right, so they live a good life. That they should fear God. That they should be, that they should fear God, yes. Right, and women are I'm going to get to women. I'm going to get to women. <laughs> we don't need what the men yes. do. Yes. So, so, most of us don't need as much as the men. <laughs> Very good point. So does covering your head with your hand help? So if you don't have a kippah, or for those that do not have it available, does covering your head with your hand help? There is a debate about that in Jewish law. Um, Generally, if one is covering their, themselves as a sign of respect for God, such as when they are in a synagogue or praying or the like, one, one cover, just putting one's hand on one's head is not good enough because you're essentially covering yourself, so it's not a sign of respect. What you may see people doing is covering themselves with their sleeve so that they have something other than themselves on their head. Um, they may have something in their hand when they're covering themselves with their covering their head. If it's just to serve as a reminder of God, which is the reason why we wear it even when not praying, um, it would be, um, which is why we, while we wear it when not praying, 
um, then even your hand is good enough as a temporary covering. I have some when somebody else cover my head, it's more. If someone else covers your head, that's okay. If you cover your own head, though, um, in uh, the Alter Rebbe writes that you're just, it's yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't cover yourself. Napkin's fine. Anything you use to cover your head is just fine. If you get the napkin to stay on, that's fine. So while it's been universally accepted for Jewish men to cover their heads, the same has not been for Jewish women. Now, Jewish law requires Jewish married women to cover their heads as well. Um, most halachic authorities are of the view that Jewish women must cover their entire head. And there is a, there's a debate about it, but there are many views that women must cover their hair entirely so that there is no hair visible in public. Um, but definitely Jewish women, married women, must cover their heads. Um, even women who were married and since divorced or widowed still must cover their heads. Jewish women throughout history have therefore covered their heads with hats, with caps, with kerchiefs, or with wigs. And I do have a class planned on the subject of women covering their heads, and particularly the wig. Uh, people are fascinated by the wig, so um, I, I have a class scheduled for it. I forget now exactly when. Um, what's, what's the purpose of covering your hair women? Even the reason why women must married women must always cover their hair is the Torah. Um, the, the Torah alludes to women covering their hair as a sign of modesty, of similar to men. It's not a matter. You know, I will do a class on women covering their head. I have a class scheduled for it. We'll talk about it more in detail then. But very good. So. <laughs> so it is required, just as men are required to cover their heads, married women are required to cover their heads, and according to many views, not only their heads, but their hair as well. Um, in other words, their hair should not be sticking out from under their heads. Um, from uh, the, but definitely cover their heads um, in general. Even married women who for whatever reason do not cover their heads should definitely cover their heads when praying or entering a synagogue. And for that reason, until recently, it was fairly normal for Jewish women who did not normally cover their head for whatever reason to wear hat, dress hats or dollies when entering a synagogue. It is still widely practiced in Europe and in other countries. I don't know why it was dropped in this country. Maybe due to indifference, maybe due to a lack of knowledge. Women didn't know they should be doing that. But definitely women should wear a hat to the synagogue. Um, I would I strongly encourage it. It definitely is a requirement. One should wear a hat to synagogue. And if one walks as Hillary pointed out, if you walk into any shul in Britain 
All the women are wearing hats. You would not dare walk into a synagogue in Britain without a hat. And the same is true in much of Europe. And the same was true, many of you may remember your mothers and grandmothers, the same was true 50 years ago in this country, that all women wore a hat or a, or a dolly or some sort of... Bobishka, some sort of covering when they entered a synagogue. I don't know why it's been dropped since, but it is a it is a Jewish requirement, and I definitely encourage you when you come to the synagogue to wear. They should. They absolutely should. They absolutely should, and I strongly encourage. I strongly encourage women who come to shul to wear a hat when they come to shul. Okay. Is it because men get excited when they see their hair? No, because just as men must cover their head when they walk into shul, women must do so too. Yes. Both. Both. But in addition to the general requirement for men to cover their head in general, there's a specific requirement to cover their head when reciting a blessing or entering a synagogue or praying. So too, just as women must cover their head, married women or women that were once married must cover their head in general, there is a specific requirement for them to cover their head when entering a synagogue or when praying. Very good question. Now, the Torah's rule that women must cover their hair was only for married women, not for single women. Why? We'll get to God willing when we do a class on women covering their head. But as a result, women who were never married have historically kept their hair uncovered. And not only did they keep women who have never been married before, not only did they keep their hair uncovered in general, but also never adopted the rule of covering one's head, even in the synagogue, even during prayer. Um, Rav Avadji Yosef, who discusses this in detail, doesn't find a kind of halachic reason as to why they don't. In theory, they should, just as all men of all ages cover their head, must cover their head not only in general, but in prayer and in the synagogue, um, and women must do the same. Presumably, unmarried women should. And in some communities, um, particularly Sephardic communities, there was a custom for unmarried women to wear a hat to the synagogue. Um, in most Jewish community was, communities, it was never practiced. Um, presumably because they didn't cover their hair in general. And so to keep that distinction, they kept that distinction even in the synagogue. And as a result, women, unmarried women or women that were never married historically have not covered their head even when reciting a blessing, even when entering a synagogue, since it is only... Um, and presumably there was never, when it was legislated that women must cover their hair in general, men and married women must cover their hair when going when entering a synagogue or reciting words of prayer, it was never, the rules were never made to include unmarried women. Can a woman, though, wear a, and again, there's no necessarily halachic justification for it, but that was, and in theory, it should include them, but that's kind of been the custom for a very long time. Can a woman wear a kippah? No. 
So in theory, married women must cover their heads. Unmarried women may cover their heads. There's no question that they may. Um, and it doesn't really matter what they use. They can use a wig. They can use a hat. They can use a handkerchief. They can use a scarf. They can use a dolly. They can, dolly, they can use whatever they want. However, there is a biblical prohibition of cross-dressing. Men may not wear, wear women's clothing. Women may not wear men's clothing. So women can and should cover their heads, but may not wear something that men use to cover their heads with. If you somehow design a yarmulke that is distinctly feminine, then by all means, but um, women should not wear something that is generally assumed to be a distinct man's clothing. Some religions do, though. Women do. Because we, actually, Yom one Yom have a woman who comes with a talus and a yarmulke. You know that, don't you? I think young people love Shoshana. We have a woman that comes. Okay. <laughs> From, so, when you say woman who's been married, does it mean married under Jewish law? Or just... It could be someone who's married to a non-Jew, or, or what? Mm -hmm. Are you saying married? That's a very good question. Um, I think even somebody who was married to a non-Jew um, should also um, cover their head. Um, once they've... It, it's really although it's not kept in that sense, really a virgin who, is oh. who, doesn't, who covers their head, although we don't require women who have um, been sexually active but never married to cover their head. We don't actually require it. Uh, but I would think, I don't have a definitive answer to that. How yes? Distinctive feminine would not be an issue. Um, wearing in gen women in general wearing a talit, we addressed it when we did our class on the talit, um, and it's a subject for a different time. A lot of contentious issues coming up today. So historically, different Jewish communities had different coverings in style, in material, in color. In fact, often Jewish communities could be, to could be told apart by, you could tell them apart by their distinctive head coverings for men and for women for that matter. Um, and so it doesn't really matter what you type you wear, the point is that you cover your head. Um, for Jewish men, it was a kippah, a hat, a cap, it didn't really matter. In some Jewish communities, they wore coverings that covered their entire heads. Um, in most Jewish communities, they wore coverings that only covered part of their head, what we kind of refer to today as a kippah. In some places, they wore small hats, caskets, caps. Um, but um, some, there are some halachic views that think that men should cover their entire head. Ideally, your whole head should be covered. However, the custom in most Jewish communities was to wear something that covered part of the head, not the entire head. That Not at all. Some Jewish communities did cover the entire head, but most Jewish communities covered part of the head. How big does it have to be? So if it's just to remind you that God is always above you, it doesn't really matter how big even if it is very, very small. Um, there was a prime minister in Israel, um, he's no longer prime minister uh, recently, who had a kippah, wore a kippah, but it was probably a couple inches in diameter. Um, so as long as it's there to remind you God is above your head, 
it doesn't really matter the size, according to the view that I quoted earlier, that we must cover our heads as a sign of modesty, because since um, everyone covers their heads, or observant Jewish men cover their heads, going with your head uncovered would be naked, um, you would have to cover at least most of your head, um, and most kippahs are large enough to cover majority of your head. Although many today do wear very small kippahs or head coverings, they're harder to keep on your head if they're very small, um, but, uh, the, but uh, you definitely can wear a small one. There are definitely many Jewish communities that wear small ones as well. Now, uh, yes, Louise? What about divorced? Divorced women cover their heads, definitely. Same. Yes. According and widowed. According to some traditions, one should wear two head coverings when praying. So when praying or reciting a blessing, one shouldn't wear just one head covering, but a second head covering. Um, in the morning, when you wear when Jewish men wear a talit when they pray, the talit itself is serves as a head covering. Um, in Lita or um, Yiddish Lithuania, which um, is really an area that encompasses much, much more than modern Lithuania, um, but Litvish Jews, Jews from northern Eastern Europe, um, would wear in general a hat whenever they prayed um, as a sign of respect to God. In addition, they always wore a jacket because wearing a jacket was kind of a formal thing and they wanted to always dress formally when praying, standing before God and um, praying. Um, the te Kabbalah also teaches that a person should wear two head coverings when praying um, or even reciting a blessing over food because there are two sides of our intellect, the right side of our brain and the left side of our brain, and corresponding to those two sides, and God is above both sides of our mind, and so corresponding to those two sides, we should wear two coverings, and therefore most Hasidic communities, the men wear a hat in addition to a kippah when they pray. Now, Jewish men should wear a head covering at all times, even when, a ho even when at home, even when alone, but definitely should wear it when they are out and in public because it's a symbol of being Jewish. In situations when one is unable to wear a kippah, one is able to rely on a view, on the view that it is not an absolute requirement, but just midat chasidun, just an ideal. Um, this was common until fairly recently in courts. Um, in courts, I think it's in very recently in Europe, um, less recently in the United States, where one was not able to walk into court with something on their head. And depending on the judge, many judges simply would not accept it. Um, and the religious excuse was not good enough. And it was a particularly a concern for lawyers, um, where the judges did not want them to appear before them with their head um, covered. Um, and so, um, and this is going back some years in this country at least. And, um, so, sorry? They could wear a wig. No, it was a sign of respect. English barristers wear wigs? It was a sign of respect. I guess in Britain they wore wigs. But, um, but here uh, in other parts of Europe it was, un it was unacceptable. And so the rabbi said, well, in such a situation for the, you know, if, you, if you're a lawyer you can not wear a kippah in court. Um, the um, Today, thank God, that's not really a problem. Um, of course, when bathing or swimming, 
um, or taking a haircut. It's not practical to wear a kippah, and one is not required to do so. Um, one is not required to be fully dressed, although one generally should always be modest and dressed, even when at home alone. Even when, when at home alone, one should always be fully dressed because you're always standing in the presence of God. However, you are not, and we spoke about that when we did our class on modesty. However, we are not required to be dressed when bathing or swimming. Um, and of course, with taking a haircut, you don't have to wear a kippah. But while dressing or undressing, the first thing one should put on one's head, one should always have a kippah. So when you get dressed, the first thing you do is put on your, your cover your head. And the last thing you take off is your head covering. Yes. You're not required to sleep in it because you are sleeping. Um, however, there is a custom among most European Jews to sleep with their kippah as well. Um, many sleep with kind of a cap that does not fall off. Because um, if you don't have a cap, it will likely fall off while you're sleeping. Um, or a larger kippah that covers your whole head, that kind of sticks to your head. Um, but there is a European custom to sleep with your kippah, but you are definitely not required to do so. Yes. <laughs> now, many people feel challenged wearing a head covering because it marks them as visibly Jewish. Now, thankfully, that is the point. Thankfully, we live in a country where truthfully there is little downside from being visibly Jewish. In other parts of the world, even today, if you walk around in a way where you're visibly Jewish, you put yourself in danger, right? Even in some neighborhoods in England or in France, there are places where if you walk around visibly Jewish, you put yourself in danger, let alone in certain countries. Um, in this country, you do not put yourself in danger anywhere walking around visibly Jewish. It is extremely rare, while it has happened, unfortunately, recently, um, in a, a number of times, it is extremely rare to be attacked for being Jewish or even discriminated against. Very, very few. The, the attacks, while each one is horrific, are a handful in a country with millions of Jews. Um, and it's, it's a handful each year, a couple hundred, a couple thousand throughout the country. You're not talking about it being very... And most of them, most of those attacks are not where anyone gets seriously hurt. So your chance of getting seriously hurt or even discriminated against because you are being Jewish in this country is thankfully very, very rare. Um, there are Jews today, thankfully, who are visibly cover their heads in positions in power in this country. There are leaders of major corporations. There have been congressmen. There have been uh, definitely members of you know, state assemblies, um, and uh, I don't know if there's been a senator yet, but there have definitely been, or governor, but there have definitely been people in position of power, leaders of major corporations, professors in major universities, um, definitely um, secretaries um, uh, of um, uh, sec uh, gov uh, federal government secretaries have, um, who have covered their heads with a kippah. So it definitely, prime ministers of Israel, at least one so far. Um, and so there are definitely, but in this country, there have definitely been many people, and it is fairly common to see people in very prominent positions uh, with a head covering. It is not unusual anymore. Uh, for that matter, people of other religions wear their own distinctive religious dress um, in public, and it is fairly common. And so there is really no downside to it 
um, in this country. And we can be very thankful for that. But today a Jew can and should walk around with a kippah to loudly proclaim that they are Jewish. That is, a, well, the main purpose is to remind you that God is always above you and to always remember God. But it is also a distinctive Jewish dress. And so, and to be distinctive, to let people know that you're Jewish. The fear that a person may feel walking around with a kippah or the sense of discrimination we feel is mostly within ourselves. It's people often project their own insecurities onto others. They're uncomfortable themselves with their Jewishness, and so they're afraid that other people will look down upon them for being Jewish. But the reality is that it is very rare that anyone will look down upon you for being Jewish. You're imagining that people will look down upon you um, and you're self-conscious. But the truth is that generally other people will respect it. And anyone who wears a kippah all day or who wears, you know, is distinctively Jewish or for that matter, women, Jewish women who de dress um, in distinctively Jewish clothing for women um, in the modest clothing that are associated with Jewish women um, and are visibly Jewish um, will tell you that they only get respect, and I have never, you know, gotten a bad word, thankfully, for uh, being Jewish here, not and in not in Europe. No. And um, people generally respect it. People respect the part, the fact that you're Jewish. Now you do have to live up to it, because if you're wearing a kippah and you, um, you know, are mean to someone or disrespect somebody or make a scene in public then you're, you're not just re reflecting on yourself badly, you're reflecting on all Jews. So if you're wearing it, you have to live up to it. But that's a good thing um, to help you live up to it. Um, keep that in mind. But at the same time, you will generally be respected for it. Um, it's highly unlikely that there is any place in this country you, you, where you will be overlooked for a job or a promotion or a business deal because you... Um, because you are, because you, you, you're, you're, you have a head covering. And really today in the United States, the greatest threat that is facing Judaism is assimilation. What? Assimilation. Jews who no longer feel a strong Jewish identity don't pass their Jewish identity on, on to their children to the point that the next generation doesn't even know that they're Jewish and essentially they're lost to the Jewish people. The most important way to feel a strong Jewish identity is to be visibly Jewish. If you dress in a way that's visibly Jewish, then you have no choice but to feel a strong Jewish identity. Because wherever you are going, you are announcing to everyone, hey, I'm Jewish. And everybody around you sees that you're Jewish. We should never, ever be afraid of what other pe people think of us. And when we walk around proudly as Jewish people, others will admire it. And not only that, the more Jews walk around proudly as Jews, the more others will respect us. People that are afraid of who they are or afraid of something about them, if you're afraid of it, that fear reflects on other people and then they look down upon it because you look down upon it. But if you are open about it, and proud of it and publicly identify with it, then people look up to it. It's something to respect. It's something to admire. And so when we walk around proudly as Jews, people will admire it. It's important that we, especially when facing high levels of assimilation, especially where many Jews have a limited Jewish identity, um, 
and to walk around in a way that we are proud and open about our Jewishness and a way that will make us feel good about it. When we're proud about it, when we're open about it, when everyone sees that we're Jewish, it will make us feel good that we're Jewish. So I strongly encourage you, if you don't already wear a kippah, try it. Try it just for a few days. Um, a few people in this community tried it for a week, did a week of covering their head in a distinctively Jewish way, uh, just to see what the response will be. Many of them continued, continued wearing it, but give yourself just a certain number of days that you'll wear it. Try wearing it for just a few days. See how it goes. And I really think you will be happy that you did it and hopefully you'll want to continue. Um, yes, it requires some self-fortitude. It requires some self-confidence where you're not afraid of other people noticing you because if you're, you'll be noticeable. You'll stick out in the crowd. Um, every, you're the only one with the head covering. Everyone can see it. Um, so you stick out. Um, some people are self-conscious and don't want to stick out, but it's okay. You're visibly Jewish and you get used to it pretty quickly and even forget about it. You don't even notice that people see you as being Jewish once you uh, are wearing it. That's maybe not such a good thing uh, for long enough and you'll be happy you did it and you'll want to continue. Yes, Marlon? The mezuzah is a commandment for God to protect our homes. Um, but it also does serve as a distinctive reminder that this is a Jewish home. And and the truth is that Jews put mezuzahs on their doors and wore kippahs and Jewish women dressed with their heads covered and wearing you know, um, you know, distinctive modest Jewish clothing for women, um, you know, even in times when it was not so safe, when people didn't admire us, when we were overlooked for jobs because we wore kippahs. Um, people still, you know, were proud to be Jewish than our grandparents were. Um, and those that weren't, unfortunately, a lot of their children assimilated. Um, today, it's fairly easy. You really, there's really no downside to it. You're, you really, it's it, extremely rare, not impossible, but extremely rare that you will, that anything negative will happen as a result. Now, of course, Jews, like any other minority, like to, when something goes wrong, like to blame the anti-Semite for it. Um, you know, if the Jew doesn't get hired, it says, oh, they must be an anti-Semite. That's, I think, misguided and um, definitely um, not a good thing because using uh, crying anti-Semitism, um, just like any minority crying discrimination every time they don't get what they want or what they want, what they expected um, without any evidence of discrimination um, really uh, becomes the boy who cried wolf and really um, makes it. Um, and when there's real discrimination, people ignore it. So it's not a healthy thing. Um, but I really don't, I think it's extremely rare, though not impossible, um, for you to ever suffer because you were a, or lose out because you're distinctively Jewish. And therefore, I, I really encourage you um, to, if you don't do it already, to try wearing keep at least try for a few days, try to walk in a way that's distinctively Jewish. See what happens. See how it goes. Now, um, in England, all Jews live together in like a ghetto. In some parts of England. Like in some, in some parts of England, yes, yes. But thankfully, we're very thankful to live in the United States where there's really no downside to wear a kippah, and I encourage you to do so.